You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. This is called Pirate Radio. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? You run around this city like it's your damn shooting gallery. Yeah, what do you do? What do you do? You act like it's a playground. You beat up the bullies with your fists. You throw them in jail. Everybody calls you a hero, right? And then a month, a week, a day later, they're back on the streets doing the yeah. same goddamn so, thing. So you just put them in the morgue. You're goddamn right, I do. One chooses to walk the way of the Mandalore. You are both hunter and prey. This is the way. This is the way. The Force will be with you. Always. Be bold. Be brave. Courageous. Black alert. It's called Pirate Radio. We a refuge for great geeks, cause round here we don't get geek. We don't care for the hate speech. That's why we ain't mainstream. So we linked up on the same team. No heights we can't reach. We are fan, we're hearts true. If you feel the same, sing along too. Say great geek, great geek, refuge, refuge, great geek, great geek, refuge, refuge. Don't be a juice bag, cause round here we don't do that. Don't be a juice bag, cause round here we don't do that. It's like, yeah, uh, no, action news. And now, your host, Mike Lutzford. I'm totally gonna use that, too. <laughs> Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of At The Diner, the flagship podcast here on The Great Geek Refuge. My name is Mike Lunsford. I am your host, but I'm also the editor-in-chief of our website. It is greatgeekrefuge.com. There's lots of wonderful written content. There's also a ton, a litany, if you will, a cornucopia of wonderful podcast content that you can listen to as well. Joining me on the podcast, unfortunately, our regular number two co-host mr mc brooks is out he's not feeling well we wish him a speedy recovery he's just fighting that that funk that general funk that everybody gets around this time of year when the weather changes but no worries because we have the professor and co-host seat number two you know him you love him he's a wonderfully talented visual artist but also blessed with the gift of gab if you ask him about movies or tv shows or comic books he will talk your ear off in the best way possible his name is james rambo i'm constantly struggling between the desire for more physical media and the reality that I have to pack and move all the physical media I own is bullshit. I can appreciate that. There's a certain amount whenever you move where you're like, I love all of these books and and DVDs and things that I own. But then there's also a certain amount of, I almost want to just do a bonfire and I will honor it respectfully, but I will burn it all. Fuck it. Sitting here like who bought all this shit? Oh, me, (laughs) damn it. (laughs) What kind of asshole would need three different versions of the stand by Stephen King because there's extra content? This is dumb. Yeah, no, I I get it. For today's podcast, we have two very wonderful special guests. In fact, one is on her second trip to the diner with us. Um, Together, they form half of the band, A Sound of Thunder. Uh, In fact, they have a new project that they are going to be telling us about today. You know Nina, you know her so well. And then we also have one of her cohorts in, I wouldn't say crime, because that makes it sound like it's bad. It's not. It's fucking awesome metal music. We've also got Josh joining her as well. So welcome to the show, guys. We appreciate you coming on. Thank you for Thank having you. us. Of I'm course. pleased to know this is your flagship it podcast. Is. 
I would accept nothing less, honestly. Yes. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Because if we sent like one of the lesser ships to like meet you guys, you'd be like, what kind of horse shit is this? Yes. Yeah. I want to start start at the top and work my way down. Which is like the opposite of what we did in yeah. real life. <laughs> Man, the fucking segues today. Man, that's going to be great. Um, that is it really, it, it truly is a, a great segue. So the reason why we have you guys on, you know, we're going to jump right into this. So A Sound of Thunder, this is a, a metal band that y'all started that is like... I, like I wouldn't say completely crowdfunded because um, we were talking offline and you guys mentioned like the first two projects uh, kind of came out of pocket, but kind of tell us a little bit about like what your experiences have been like doing this all independent. Cause I mean, you guys are not on like a major label or anything like that. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Josh, you go ahead and explain all the money stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, we were a Craigslist band. We started 12 years ago, literally all four of us found each other on Craigslist. And um, awesome. Nina was Nina was the third to join when we started. But, you know, before Nina came in, um, you know, we didn't even know if we were going to be any good. It was just something we were doing for fun. Um, eventually, you know, we did our first album on the cheap just to just to make an album. And, um, you know, it wasn't that that big a deal. You know, we could split it three ways. and um, and we got it done. It didn't sound great though, because it was self-produced and it was uh, done on a budget. So um, we did our second record called Out of the Darkness and we got a producer uh, named Kevin Gutierrez who has two platinum records under his belt and knows how to do metal and it made it sound fantastic. And it was way more expensive. We lost a shit ton of money on the second record. Um, we get, did get on a little record label um, and um, you know, we were really excited about it at the time, not knowing the way that record labels work, but, um, and we didn't even get an advance, um, but for people that aren't familiar with like the music world and record labels, when a record label gives a band money to, be, to make a record, that is a loan. And the terms of the loan are set by the record label and the record labels are usually way worse than banks. Yeah, so um, you remember there was this uh, band that that was like three teenage boys and they went on like the Daily Show and they were really popular for like 10 minutes. And they were like, oh, this band um, of these three teenage boys, they're really coming up, you know, all their videos are so viral. So uh, uh, um, Sony offered them like $100,000 in an advance. All that means is that they have to pay that money back. And if their album doesn't sell that amount, um, then they owe that money back to the record label. <laughs> Yeah. So, and there's lots of other shady practices and, you know, chargebacks. They charge you for everything, basically, and they can charge you whatever they want. Um, so for us being a niche metal band, you know, we're trying to do traditional heavy metal in 2012 at the time. Um, you know, we're not going to sell a million copies of anything. So um, dealing with the record label, you know, that didn't get us to a huge audience anyway. And then we end up just losing a ton of money. Um, but we said, man, this record sounds great. And we did, start, we did find a small niche audience. So how do we keep this going knowing that we can't, we can't keep coming out of pocket and losing so much money. And so the answer was Kickstarter, which was relatively new at the time. We, we ran our first Kickstarter campaign in 2012 and, um, we had a small goal on the campaign. It was $8,000, um, which we still lost. We still lost money on that record, but at least we got it like about half covered. Um, and that was our very first campaign. We barely made it. I ended up put it up, put like a thousand dollars in it in the last week, thinking we weren't going to make it. And we ended up going a little more than a thousand over. So technically we, we would have made it without having to put it in ourselves, but just barely. But that was our first campaign. That was $8,000. 
And the, the, the next campaign, we raised $23,000. The one after that, we, we topped 30. And we just kept going to the last campaign, which we ran last year, uh, hit $77,000. Damn. Um, and it sounds like a lot to people. We have n- still never made a cent off the band. We just consider it a passion project. And the fact that we have this fan base now and we can and get those funds means we, we just put more into the project. So for the last record, when we hit that, that goal, we did a huge art book. We did a 12 by 12 art book. Instead of doing the little crappy CD booklet, we did a big art book and we commissioned our cover artists to do 10 images. So there's an image for every song. We did glow in the dark records with a glow in the dark jacket. (laughs) So all the kind of stuff that record labels really wouldn't let a band do because it's expensive and there's not enough profit margin, you know, because we sell, we sell our stuff at a lower profit margin than a record label would even allow you to, but that's the beauty of going direct to our fans. So at any rate, after all of those campaigns, we're now we've hit on our biggest project ever. Um, we've done uh, we've done some music um, officially collaborating with Valiant Comics in the past, um, tying in with their comics. We did our own anthology graphic novel, which was short stories. That was kind of us dipping our toe in the water. But now this new project, which we've been working on for over six years, um, is called Queen of Hell Initium, and it is one story conceived at the same time, told in both music and a full-length comic book series um so that is that's what we're funding right now and it's been like the biggest endeavor of our careers but it's it's already hit its main goal which funds all the music and the first issue of the series and we're right now we're working on the stretch goals to hit um to unlock issues two three and four physically yeah and josh when did you post the uh kickstarter we posted it on Friday, uh, October 28th. And when did you hit that goal? We hit the $40,000 goal six days later. No shit. Fuck yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is awesome. Thank like, you. Yeah. So this sounds like, I mean, and metal has a long history of, because I don't want to do it a disservice and say, oh, it's kind of got a prog rock feel to it as well, where you guys are doing some, some unique stuff. Metal has always told a story, I feel. Like there's always been more of a story element to this. So like the way yeah. you guys are describing this, it almost sounds like like something that Dream Theater would do in the sense where it's like, hey, here's this bigger story that we're telling, but not only are we going to tell it like melodically, we're also going to tell it like visually too, like to give you another like layer of depth to this. Like I'm, I'm, I haven't even looked at the Kickstarter yet and I'm already impressed. Like is this something that like when you envisioned this, when you were just like, hey, I'm going to go put a Craigslist ad out. Was this what you were picturing or was it just like, I just want to find a bunch of people who can fucking shred with me? This is like a pie in the sky dream that I've had basically my whole life. Because I was, you know, when I was little, I'm like, I'm always trying to please my inner child. And my inner child wanted to be a heavy metal singer and a comic book creator and a comic book artist and all that kind of stuff. Like I wanted to be all of the things. So now I get to be all of the things. I also wanted to be like an evil queen. So now I get to be that too. And that's, (laughs) so yes, this was the goal. I just didn't know it was going to actually happen. I knew that we had a goal of storytelling for sure. On our first album, we did a 10 minute long song about Dr. Doom. So (laughs) we knew that like we all, you know, we love comics. We wanted to do some storytelling music, not just in the lyrics, but in longer songs. And the music takes you on twists and turns that makes you feel the story as well. 
And, um, you know, just over the years, we got into more more original stories. Also, writing that concept album about Shadow Man from Valiant was like so fun um, because when you were working with a story, you get to envision kind of the sonic palette that should go with it. You know, Shadow Man is a voodoo based character that lives in New Orleans. So instantly I'm like, OK, this has to have like some jazz blues tinge. And, you know, it's not going to sound like outer space or too modern. There's not going to be synthesizers. Um, so now we're working on Queen of Hell is, is fun, too, because it's the same same process. We're like, OK, we're in hell. There's demons. There's a demon lord. There's a queen. There's battle. There's fire. What does that sound like? And so it's been really fun to write to that. Yeah, that's I mean, I'm again, I'm excited to jump into this project. So let's let's talk about this real quick. Let's just say, I don't know, you're a listener. You're hearing the wonderful things that we're talking about right now. And you're like, man, I really want to get involved in this A Sound of Thunder Kickstarter. Where might they find this? The easiest way is just to Google Queen of Hell Kickstarter. Um, and it, it's the only one live right now. The account is A Sound of Thunder. That's the band. And the name of the project is Queen of Hell Initium. And um, you could go to our website as well, which is asoundofthunderband.com. But probably just as easy to go to Kickstarter and type in Queen of Hell. I'm writing this down because Queen of Hell. Because as I get older, I start to realize, oh, no, 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 I'll, I'll remember it. doesn't work anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, because, yeah, I forget things. And I'm like, what was the name of that thing again? Like uh, like Princess of, of, of Heck? No, <laughs> like, yeah, it's close. Like... I feel like That's if I Google that. That's version. Prin Princess of Jersey. <laughs> sorry, Jersey. No, don't be sorry to Jersey. Jersey knew what it did. <laughs> We've already gotten in trouble for shitting on Jersey. Yeah. That's the thing, though, is like, it, like unlike other states, some states you shit on them and they get real upset. Jersey's just like, yeah, we can fucking handle it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't, we met one guy who couldn't. <laughs> well, like, literally every time I go to New Jersey, I witnessed a fist fight. It's not even <laughs> like, I'm not yeah. joking. It's yeah. every single time. And I've gone to Jersey for gigs and I've gone to Jersey for fun. And both times fist fights in the street. It's great. Weirdly, I love it. same guys every time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I remember <laughs> you. We, ah, we got in a fist fight last time. Let's do it again. We got you a know, reputation uphold. Yeah. That was also the only place in the world. And we have we've traveled to the south, to the deep south. That's the only place we've ever heard the N-word used in a mean way. So Jersey. Beautiful place. Well, well done. Well done, Jersey. Well Bravo. done, Garden State. High quality there. Keep it up, guys. <laughs> so I wanted to ask, I wanted to ask both of you a little bit because we're all music fans here in this podcast. Um, and I feel like for me, just to give you a little bit of background so you guys can understand the question I'm asking, I remember being about it was I was maybe like 10 or 11 years old. So this would have been like 92, 93. And I heard Nevermind by Nirvana. And I remember thinking, what is this? I've never heard anything like this. I've never heard music that sounded this angry, but also like, I don't even really understand what the hell he's saying. That's cool. I want to figure it out. Like that, that like game changer for you when it came to music, when you were just like, it, it, it like lit a fire somewhere that you didn't know needed to be lit. Um, we'll start with Josh since, um, Josh is new to the podcast and then we'll go to you, Nina. Um, Josh, what was like the first music that you remember hearing where you're just like, oh shit. What is this? Like, um, I love I, this. Like the, the issue zero of this question is I remember being in the car in the back of my mom and my mom's car and on the radio hearing uh, 
Harder Rock and Roll by Huey Lewis. And I definitely remember being like, you know, I was like six years old when that came out and being like, I like that guitar. That's cool. And even though that's not a heavy song, it has a cool electric guitar riff. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, but for me, really, and this is this goes right up to the present day with the projects we're doing now. When I was 12, my big things were comics and wrestling. And I my best friend got a hold of some Black Sabbath and Ozzy music from his older sister. And I thought the song Iron Man was about Tony Stark. So I was like, <laughs> I'm gonna get into this. And I listened to it like, and I was like, I don't know, I don't really hear the like the Marvel Iron Man-ness of this, like. Okay. Because of course it's not about Marvel's Iron Man at all. <laughs> Seems but like I listened to it. I listened to it a lot of times, trying to trying to get the connection, and then I end up listening to that whole album, and it just something clicked with me. Um, you know, those songs have a storytelling element to them, and the just the um, the style, like the riffy, heavy style, really like clicked with me. And you know, I think it all goes back to that that first year of discovering black sabbath and i've always been like an ocd collector mindset so i got every ozzy and black sabbath album before i got a tape from a single other band so that stuff's like in my dna uh, completionist was, like i got yes. one i gotta get it all yeah or like pokemon i guess yeah ridiculous comic collection surrounding me right <laughs> yeah. now yes he he made a dr doom reference uh, listeners earlier and i don't think you understand that there is a full like size wearable. Life, like wearable dr doom mask and hood behind him like it's it's impressive it's quite impressive you know, I mean, I, that is oh, impressive ahead. but the, the the sheer fo- we're going to get into that collection in a bit um because <laughs> yeah. that is that that's an episode by itself mm-hmm. it's a lot of you goddamn should, comics you should actually do a tour of his comic book collection at some point like a little video because it's in, it's stupid josh your comic <laughs> book collection is incredibly stupid it is it is stupid it's a reading <laughs> collection i have I'm down to less than a hundred comics to have every comic Marvel published in the eighties. That tells you. I'm going to see, I'm going to see how good my nerddom skills are, but also checking my own vision here. Um, Is that Ram man behind us? It is Ram man. Yeah. You're goddamn right. It is. I put some (laughs) Easter eggs in the background for you guys. Nice. Yeah. Nina, I want to hear from you because I know we've talked music before a little bit. Because um, mm-hmm. I remember we talked about King Crimson specifically yes. the last time we talked. <laughs> yes. Um, who who was the first like what was the first music you heard where you were just like what the fuck is this? This is amazing. So I have a lot of little tiny memories from baby Nina um, that are kind of accumulated into multiple moments but my brother he was into heavy metal he was like into hair metal and stuff like that in the 80s when I was like four so I have this memory of my brother trying to go see Cinderella and he was like trying to convince my mom to take him to see Cinderella and I must have been four years old and he and I was like I want to go see Cinderella too and he was like it's not that kind of Cinderella (laughs) and I remember thinking in my mind like I know what the fuck kind of Cinderella is. <laughs> I know it's not the princess. But you, so he went to on. the army and he left behind a lot of things. And a few things he left behind were like a poison bandana, um, some death metal t-shirt. I don't even know what it was, what band it was from. And he said that I could pick out any CD from his collection. And I picked the Wayne's World soundtrack. And also, he get, he left behind a cassette of Appetite for Destruction by Guns N' Roses. So I had a little Walkman, and I was on the bus 
on the school bus in like maybe the first or second grade listening to that tape on loop and I had the whole the songs memorized same thing with the Wayne's World soundtrack and to me it wasn't like oh you know this is what I like it was like this is you know it's, it was just like the soundtrack of my life at that point so a couple years pass I don't really think much of metal because metal's not really popular in the it, where I'm where I live I'm in Forestville, Maryland, and not a lot of people like heavy metal where I'm around. So I wasn't, I wasn't having any exposure to it, but then I became a weeb. So I was really into anime and Napster happened. So I was downloading the soundtrack to one of my favorite movies, X 1999 and X Japan did the end song, which is forever love. And it's a ballad and it's super cheesy so i'm like i love this song i wonder what else x japan sounds like and i downloaded their entire discography off of napster and x japan is basically like hair metal and also um they call it visual k you know so they did a lot of modern sounding metal and then they did a lot of thrashy like legit 80s thrash metal in the beginning so i heard that 80s thrash metal and i was like that's it that's the one that's what I love forever. And that was my big aha moment, like weeding through all of the different types of rock and music. I latched onto that thrash metal sound of X Japan. So basically my favorite song is, um, uh, sorry, I'll Kill You by X Japan. And the song is just, <laughs> I will kill you. And then it's like a drum solo. And I'm like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. So yeah, that's what molded me, that song right awesome. there. Yeah. I gotta say the Wayne's World soundtrack is underrated big time. It's amazing. Yeah. It has this one Dio song um, when he was with Black Sabbath called Time Machine. Yeah. And that song I always like had in my mind. And I never thought to listen to any other Black Sabbath for some reason. But if I had, I would have heard my favorite Black Sabbath album, which is Dehumanizer. And had I listened to Dehumanizer when I was in high school, like my journey into metal would have been much faster. I just wish I had someone to introduce me or show me, show me the way, you know, because it took me until I was in college before I really discovered all these things. Yeah, it's it's so funny, like because I had there was a song from that soundtrack and I was just like, I remember them here. They were listening to this song at one point in the movie and I'm like. I got to figure, I got to find it. I got to find it. And thank God for the internet, man, because like I was able to find the exact song. It's, it's by a band called ugly kid, Joe, and it's called everything about you. And I think they're like, oh, in, yeah. I think they're in the coffee shop. When, everything about you. I hate, yeah. that's the, I hate everything about yeah. you. Right. Yeah. And I hate everything about you. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay. There was yeah. also this scene where Laura, Laura Flynn Boyle shows up and she's like, I got you a gift. He's like, we broke up three months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. I love her character. I it's might a know. Gun rack. Yeah. A gun rack. A, yeah. A gun. I don't have a gun. <laughs> a gun. Let alone let many guns any gun. that would necessitate an entire rack. I have not watched that movie in easily two decades and I still remember that. I know. I think I know every fucking line from that movie. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I can recite the whole thing. I got yeah. you a gift. If it's a severed head, I'm going to be very upset. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite is uh, is Al Bundy. What, is Dan O'Neill? Ed O'Neill. Ed O'Neill. Yeah. yeah. Oh his, his little like 
when he takes the camera away and he starts monologuing into the camera and they're like whoa this is our movie <laughs> i will uh, frequently when i'm around the house if i've if i've in any way injured myself or i'm like sore or like moving slow or something i'll be like wait up i fell on my keys benjamin is nobody's friend if Benjamin were an ice cream flavor, he'd be pralines and dick. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I gotta watch that movie. Uh, I do too. Like yeah, he's like he, he opens the door and there's all those guys churning and he's like, "What are you gonna do with these guys?" Oh, nothing really. <laughs> I've just always wanted to open a door where people are being trained like in James Bond movies. <laughs> it makes me really miss Wayne's World's King's Dominion because like oh, the idea the hurler, yeah. The idea that that movie was so popular that they named an entire section of a theme park after it. Yeah. And they had the Mirthmobile and yeah. the limo version of the Mirthmobile. Yeah. You could take pictures in Wayne's basement. Stan Nikita's was there. And that was my favorite you know now that i think about it i i probably heard a lot of heavy metal when i was in elementary school because that was my favorite place to go at king's dominion yeah and to go to wayne's world yeah. did they actually have a roller coaster called the hurler yeah the hurler, it's still yes. there i it's, think they, they changed it. it okay so i know this because my son is a like like mad coaster enthusiast like just researches this stuff all the time so i remember going on the hurler when it first opened and like they they had like videos of mike yes. myers as wayne like and it was in the abandoned doll factory yes. from wayne's world 2 yeah but like the hurler ride was fucking horrible like it just like it's the a wooden roller coaster yeah the track yeah. was all messed up like people would walk off of it like with neck injuries and shit yeah so what king's dominion did was is they changed it and what they did was they kept the superstructure the actual wood superstructure but put a steel coaster over top of it oh and it's, that's stupid i hate it oh but it's such a good ride oh, oh my god it's well, it's so awesome so i will say uh, what i loved about king's dominion is how janky it was for many many years because even though they replaced all the stuff in wayne's world's king's dominion they kept a lot of the background stuff that they just didn't feel like throwing away so you could go to the hurler or whatever it was called at the time and you'd still see these weird dolls and doll yeah. heads yeah. in the rafters <laughs> when yeah. you're like standing in line you're like what is up that with now the have dolls? no context no context yeah. like you don't know yeah. why that exists or it's like um, the Mirthmobile limo was still there for many 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 years they just never got rid of it nobody knew what it was for yep it's yeah like, uh, it. the fucking <laughs> the the art institute logo is still up on the building <gasps> is it roslyn because no one wants to pay to remove it I didn't know that. Oh, by the way, this is the school that Rambo and I attended and was um it's it defrauded no longer... you both. Yeah, well decertified. Yeah, yeah, it's no longer what's the word? Um, accredited. Accredited, right. that's it. Oh, yeah. No, AI doesn't AIW doesn't exist at all. Yeah, it doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, not, so, yeah not, not just they had their, their accreditation removed, they are fucking in the yeah. wind. So They're... the college we went to no longer exists, and I'm just I thank God every day that no employer gives a single shit about it does not like, give a fuck they don't care where i went to school they just look at my resume and they're like eh, whatever i don't care where you went to school. school and i'm like thank you thank you for not asking <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i ran into a similar thing with the school i went to i went to uh at, mind you after getting a um an associates in essentially what it amounts to communications i was like wow this is worthless what am i going to do with this oh, so no. I, I went to itt tech 
thinking I could get my computer certifications and things like that. Only they feed you a line of BS of like, oh, you'll come out and you'll make $80,000 a year. It's going to be great. And then when you're getting ready to graduate, they're like, so we found you a job in DC. It's 30,000 a year. Um, and your contract locks you in at that price for the next two years. So you can't make more money. Wow. Uh, and I'm like, I make 35 a year at GameStop. So I'm not going to do that. Uh -huh. And then you also find out that all the loans that you got that they said were private loans, they actually double dipped and got government loans as well. So your $10,000 in loans turns into $25,000 in loans. What? Yeah. But luckily, not going to get political on this, but like luckily, the current move of the government is to help fix this. Fuck and because that, get political. Democrats did that. Democrats yes. did that. Yes. They did. Yes. They did something good for once. <laughs> they you did. Know? Let, about goddamn time. Give yeah. them credit where credit is due when they, they do a good thing. All of it. Yeah. Like mine ends up being like because they were charlatans, because I love that word and I never get to use it very often. Um, not only do is my loan debt wiped clean, all the payments that I made towards my loan in the last 10 years are gonna come back to me. <gasps> yes. Oh, I want that. Oh, it okay, wasn't but, for me. But hold on, in, de in defense of, of the Republican point of view, when you signed up for those predatory loans, did you see what you were wearing? <laughs> yeah, I deserved it. I mean, I was you wearing slut. a low-cut shirt. Yeah. You yeah. You were you were asking for it. Yeah, <laughs> obviously. As your friend, Mike, I'm very happy for you. Yes. As someone who owes six figures worth of student debt, fuck you. Fuck you <laughs> so hard. That's I hate so you. Much I sent you the links. If you didn't fill them out, I did before you even sent them. <laughs> if, if they're going to wipe out $10,000 worth of student loans from everybody, that's going to wipe my debt away. So I would yeah. love that for me. Yeah. I would love that. I, I be dope. Rambo's going to have to fake his death. Yeah. That's the only way I have. Well, James Rambo yeah. died 50 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, who's the new who's the new host on your podcast? Well, it's actually the son of Rambo. Yeah, yeah can you pass yourself off as your own son? Rames oh Jambo. Jambo. No, it's James Rambo Jr. Yeah. Like like James Bond Jr. Like James Bond. That was the first thing that came to my head. Bond. James Bond Jr. <laughs> James Bond Jr. chases scum around the world. <laughs> God, that show sucks so bad. Yeah, My favorite part good. of the James Bond Jr. lore is the idea that James Bond would actually pay child support enough that he would take on his name. Well, no, better still, James Bond was his uncle. What? In the show, it was his uncle James. It wasn't even his son? Wasn't even his son. So why was he a junior? He's because... a fucking junior once removed. Yeah. Like, oh! yeah. Well, I'm assuming that MI6 like sterilized him. Because okay. they knew how that's much right. of a slut that's he was going to be. Good. That's a good like, point. Or like James Bond's style. dad. Yeah. James Bond's dad was like George Foreman and named all of his children James. <laughs> that is yes. <laughs> Hello, this is James, and this is James. James. There's James. James. Jimmy. <laughs> Jim Bob. Jimmy Jam. Jambo. <laughs> So we were supposed to be talking about our band. All right, yes. You are, yes. Yeah. Uh, like, I segued into back James Bond Jr. Sorry about that. Back Gently the path. segueing back onto the path. <laughs> My bad. Yes. So I can't wait till we get to the career point where we can we can put out a shitty Queen of Hell Jr. cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> Princess of Hell. I mean, that's yeah. going to be our, our Disney Plus cartoon. That's the dream, right? Yes, it's like, yes. You get so big yeah. that you have a spinoff cartoon series. That yeah. is yeah. literally the dream. Like, yeah. I want to be a Disney evil queen and yeah. a metal singer and a comic book creator. Yeah. Well, we're 
we're definitely I mean, going to have a spinoff about the villain for sure. So that's yes. actually happening. Yes. I have a I have a question for you both. Um, again, we'll start with Josh since he's the newbie. Um, Josh, when like have you had that moment yet where you're like, oh fuck, I'm a rock star. Like, has there been something where somebody has like come up to you and recognized you or like been like, I fucking love this. And you were just like, oh, cool. This isn't just a pet project anymore. We're like, people know who the fuck we are. Like, well, have you had that moment yet? Last last year, I went for a run and I had to go to the bathroom so bad. And I made it all the way almost back home and ended up having to poop in my backyard. So I will never <laughs> think of myself as a rock star. <laughs> look, um, look, who hasn't had to poop in their own backyard? Okay? Yeah. Like, um right where our drummer parks every sunday and i didn't tell him um, <laughs> so i will never think of myself that way um i don't think i'm inclined to anyway because this is the weird thing this is i, I don't mean this as a downer at all but it's yeah. just like for me whatever we've accomplished is in the past and i'm already on to the next thing especially since like when we do when we create something we've usually created it like at least a year before it comes out. So mentally I'm like on to the next thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, we just had this experience on Friday. Like, you know, we had some friends come that had never seen us and, you know, we're like, Oh my God, I had no idea. You were so good. You guys are rock stars. And like, it just doesn't, doesn't really register with me. Yeah. Um, because I think, um, I think the world is full of extremely talented people with all different kinds of talents. And um, Man, that's beautiful. as much as I think that we're really good at what we do, um, I don't think being really good at, at a thing is that rare in the world. So okay, but I will have to correct you. There was a moment when we felt like legit rock stars, and that was when we were in Catalonia. I was going to say when you went to Catalonia. Specifically when we were in my mom's hometown. And so we, me and the guys, we took a little detour to my mom's hometown. And this is a very small little like village, Roman era town um, in the mountains. And we're walking around and I'm showing them around like the town, like, oh, there's the bakery. There's my grandpa's house. Excuse me. And there's some little kids that are like looking over at us like, and I can see them like, is that them? And so I'm like, I, I think those kids are looking at us. And the guys are like, eh, they probably just, you know, see a bunch of foreigners and they don't know who we are. And I'm like, okay, okay. So later that night, my uncle is like um, trying to get us to stay really bad because my uncle's bored. And he's like, you guys. <laughs> he's, a he's a musician too. He's also a musician. And he's like, you guys got to stay the night. You guys got to sing karaoke with me. Come on, let's go to the bar. And when he says, let's go to the bar, he means like literally next door, there is a bar. So we go <laughs> next door and we go to the bar and all these people just start like swarming us. Like, oh my God, I can't believe. Oh my gosh, it's, it's, um, Giuseppe's daughter, Nina. And like, this is the band. And oh my gosh, they were on TV earlier and blah, 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 blah. And that. That was the moment I was like, oh, oh for me, good. Yeah. If we had one also be like uh, the next time we returned, we played this one town up in the mountains called La Pobla de Segur on that first tour when the song was viral. And then that was great. They gave us like caviar. So that was a definitely like, whoa, they think <laughs> that we should have caviar. But the second time, the next year when we came back for the second tour on the concrete um across from the venue there was a huge graffiti of the band name it said a sound of thunder in like 15 foot long graffiti that's, that's great yeah. that is that, awesome i was like oh someone did Dude. that for us 
That is. I love that you you've got like you're you're Hasselhoff famous. Yes, me too. Yes. In the states, you're like yeah, it's a it's a it's a you know relatively well known local band. But then you go over to Catalonia, and it's like oh, you mean international superstars? The sound of yeah, exactly. I love that so much for for us because it's such a tiny little area but it means so much to us to be that kind of famous even in such a small area i was just on a tv show yesterday in catalonia that was broadcast all over spain so like so cool it hasn't ended or anything it's it's still happening but you know you don't see it because we don't live there so would you follow in the footsteps of hasselhoff then and then josh would you be running slow motion down a beach in order to like further the the no yeah. i would be drunkenly yes. eating a sandwich on the floor of a hotel <laughs> there you go there it you is you can do both you don't need to do one or the other there's you room for both. both yeah there's the yeah. morning shot there's the evening yes shot. exactly yeah. well yeah. we did do that once remember we went to la and we we went to uh what's that beach where all the guys like lift weights oh venice beach we went to venice beach and the guys were like on the, the, what do you call it? Like the adult monkey bars. And they were like doing pull-ups and like <laughs> doing like the, the flexing stuff. And I was taking video. It's very goofy. Oh, the other rock star moment for me, I got to mention this one. It was the last day of our first Catalonian tour. And we had, we fucked up royally because there's only four provinces in Catalonia. And we were like, and we had shows in all of them. And we were like, plus a couple extra shows. So we were like, okay, instead of driving to a different hotel every day let's get a centralized airbnb so we got an airbnb in barcelona and every night after the show we had to drive one to two hours back to the airbnb and it was just like it would turn out to be a really bad idea and we were exhausted and every show we there was a super long line of fans to selling merch and autographing stuff so it was like we hardly got any sleep the last day of the catalonian tour was the latest night of all we got home at like three in the morning and we had to get up at by six to go to the airport and fly to germany for two more shows so by the time i got in bed i got i didn't really even fall asleep i was in bed for like an hour and then like got up and everybody's in just like the worst state so we get to the airport finally get through security uh chris our drummer falls asleep at the at the table while we're waiting Nina starts crying. She's so tired. She just involuntarily started crying. Basically, like an exhaustion panic attack. Yeah, like, Jesse, like, like um, kids when they've had too much day. Yes, that was yeah. me. I was like a child. I was like, I'm so tired. Um, Jesse, our bassist. Um, Jesse's the youngest and probably in the best shape, so he was like, okay, he made it through that day, okay. And I, <laughs> trying my best, sensing this was a once in a lifetime opportunity, trying my best to like act like a rock star. I'm wearing my leather jacket and I'm wearing my aviators inside. It's eight in the morning. And I went and I got, <laughs> I went and I got a beer and I came back yeah. and I sat down at the table with our sleeping drummer and crying Nina and just drank a beer with Jesse at eight in the morning. <laughs> going, but going you also for... got a burger. It was a beer and a burger in eight oh, in the morning. God. Yeah, I can, that, yeah. I can see that. Just yeah. channeling, <laughs> just channeling Lemmy right there. I, that like, was it. Yeah. I was like, this is my, might be my only time in yeah. my life where I could be a total like, freak lecherous you know <laughs> debauched rock star and i'm just gonna i'm just gonna start drinking at eight in the morning today. and just to let you know how tired i was after that night i noticed my eyelid was swollen my eyelid got infected because <laughs> and that's this happens when you're tired that's literally all that happens because i was cleaning my makeup off relentlessly every night you know going to sleep with a clean face and my eyelid got infected and i had a 
scar on my eyelid for four years after that show as a <laughs> reminder to get enough sleep yeah we need to we learn to pace ourselves after that tour yeah yeah that's awesome though like the reason i bring that up is like we've we've been doing um like ggr when i say we we've been doing podcasting for it'll be eight years next year um and like you do it and you put it out and you're like, Hey, you know, it's just me talking with my friends. And like, you never really, it never really clicks to you that people are actually listening. Like you look mm-hmm. at the numbers and you're like, Hey, people are listening. That's cool. Whatever. But like we had done a, an event at free comic book day and like an idiot, I left my charger for my laptop at home. No. So we're like finishing up and I'm like, fuck, I'm running out of battery. God, I hope this thing saves. And I say it on the podcast, right? The next week we're at awesome con and somebody comes up and they're like, Oh good. You remembered your charger. And I'm like, the fuck are you talking about? Oh, you listened to the show. And it was like the first time it actually clicked that people listened to it because somebody had said something back to me that I had said. And I was like, oh, damn, that's kind of cool. There and are now social relationships. I have other people like what was crazy is like we gave a bunch of stickers out to the people that showed up to our panel at AwesomeCon. And I saw one of those stickers in the wild. And I'm like, people actually like put this on their car. That's so fucking cool. Like. And like, I sh- yeah, and I shared it with Rambo and MC. Like, I was like, look, guys, people actually like our shit. Like, it's it's very weird because you're just like, oh, this because before it was just like numbers on a screen, mm-hmm. you know? And like, then it became real where people are actually saying like, yes, we like you and you're great. Like, it's it's just kind of, it is cool. Like, I mean, but I wish I could have like shown up to Awesome Con after only an hour of sleep and you know wearing a leather jacket and aviators and drink a beer yeah that would have been great yeah. like, you need a person you need a personal handler at the front of the table and then you're just passed out in the chair behind him <laughs> what i love is on. when we get we don't get recognized but the band does yeah. so uh one time josh and i were on the road somewhere and we were in pennsylvania you know what's that truck stop in pennsylvania Bree- breezeway Breeze- breezewood breezewood uh. breezewood at a gas station and i'm buying like a bottle of water I'm wearing my Sound of Thunder hoodie, and somebody's like, oh, man, I love that band. Oh, a Sound of Thunder, yeah, they fucking rule. And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I happen to be a Sound of, yeah, you know. And it happens at conventions, too. Like, we were at Baltimore Comic Con this weekend, and a guy comes up. He's like, oh, I love this band. Oh, wow, yeah, I did their last Kickstarter. This is really cool. And I'm like, oh, well. Allow me to make your day, sir. <laughs> Allow me to with your mind it's me <laughs> i love doing that <laughs> hello fans it's me yes yeah that's so cool um so let's keep moving forward here and talking about all the awesome stuff that you guys got going on um i know the pandemic kind of threw a monkey wrench into any like live shows on a regular basis like has and let's be clear here um the pandemic's not over. It's still a thing because I still have dickheads coming to work with uh, fucking COVID getting everybody sick in our office. Um, now that like people just apparently just don't give a fuck about it anymore. Is, are you guys able to like play live shows again like you used to, or is it still like, uh, let's hesitantly do this. I think we could, we haven't fully gotten back into the swing of trying to book as many shows. Um you know, it's been a, just been a rough time personally for everybody, too. I, I'm not sure we're like mentally prepared to go on a tour just yet. Well, I also made the decision for us that we're only doing good gigs from now on. So that makes booking a lot of gigs very difficult because I will say uh, eight out of 10 gigs are crap. And I refuse to play on the floor of a Denny's ever again. 
Uh, <laughs> that was one one side effect of having some success is then we're like, boy, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I we, can't wanna, go back. we don't I want can't photos go back. of us playing in a Denny's escaping to people in Europe who think we're a big deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and well, then I they don't want them to go, oh, they're playing Denny's. Wow, their star has fallen. I have an image to uphold now. So I require a stage and lights and a sound man. Um, no more DIY yeah. shows. I'm not doing it. Um, I, I'm well, we sort of did one this past weekend. Well, um, yeah, but that, that was a nice There was still a stage, a stage yeah. and lights. And you'd be surprised band. at the amount of grief we get from other bands that are like, oh, Sound of Thunder thinks they're too good to play. Like, we literally just played a private show in some dude's house. Yeah. Like, yeah, know, we're not too that. good for anything. I it's, just don't want to, like, okay, I require a sound man to run the sound because I don't know what I'm doing. So why would I run the soundboard? I have no idea what any yeah. of these buttons do. Well, we learned this the hard way because now we have people that will tr actually travel in from a distance to see us. Mm -hmm. And so we feel like we have a responsibility to make sure we're playing longer than 20 minutes mm -hmm. and that we're going to have a sound person and there'll be some lights, you know, um, actual show like i'm not going to ask my our fans to drive an hour plus to see us play for 30 minutes on a floor um and the sound doesn't sound good so like it, it's it's not just for our benefit it's also for the people that are paying to see us you know and i i just feel like that's the right thing to do but apparently that makes us sound super stuck up and smart <laughs> um well, I'm, I, like, it, it, I'm just this nonsense about you know Oh, you think you're so good because you have like tuned guitars. Yes, yeah. And you, I'm like, yeah, yeah. We give a fuck how we sound. Exactly. How dare you have artistic integrity? Like yeah. the um, fucking nerve. Yeah. And also, yeah, yeah exactly. We've gotten shit for the price of our t-shirts because our t-shirts are color and double sided. So I think our t-shirts are what twenty five bucks, which yeah. is that nothing. Is so cheap. Compared. So reasonable. Like there's there's that single so there's single sided t-shirts that are twenty five bucks. Right. But as somebody who years, makes t-shirts for our website, I know yeah, like I'm intimately aware of this. Like right. bullshit. but like several years ago this whole Facebook drama happened because one uh some bands were saying that you should only charge $10 a shirt and it should be black and white. And I, I refuse to ever pay more than $10 for a shirt and bands that charge more are stuck up and look at the sound <laughs> of thunder thinking they're so cool for charging $25 for their t-shirt. Like it was bananas, but this is like real stuff that actual rock musicians go through because there's this whole punk rock idea that everything needs to be cheap and DIY. And if you don't have Jimmy in your brother's basement mixing your album for 20 bucks you're not a real punk rock or metal That's person so much you know it's it's really insane well, but... That's, if you if you were signed to a major label oh you sold out yes but the fact that you're doing it all by yourself okay fine well we're doing kickstarter so we can actually afford to cover it oh so you're just soliciting donations right oh like, so you're yeah. soliciting donations it's like it's not a donation you're pre-buying a product <sighs> you are showing something you are showing support through the only means we can in a hellscape capitalist society and Which that's through money. your money yeah. yes exactly. well also those people without realizing it are saying I would like to pay you the same amount of money for the same thing, but I would like some businessman at the record label to get 80% of it and you to get, you know, probably yeah. less than yep. 20% of it. Well, yeah. And the yeah. whole punk rock aesthetic fits too, because like a perfect example of this, 
is like with Nirvana's um, like big album with Nevermind with Smells Like Teen Spirit, Kurt Cobain was famous for saying he didn't like it because it was too glossy and it was too shiny and it was too overproduced. But like Butch Vig, who produced the album, has literally been like, that's horse shit because we were in the studio and Kurt was like, this is fucking amazing. Yeah. He was like, he's like, (laughs) he's like, I have no shade towards Kurt at all. He's like, but I have a feeling that he was trying to play the role. And he was just like, it just didn't sound cool. It wasn't grungy enough, man. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Sounds too good. Yeah. You can I, hear every aspect of the music. That's uh, bullshit. Like, I'm sorry we made you sound good. Like, it's <laughs> it's wild. It really is wild how how some of the musicians in our industry, like, if you sound too good, they're like, I don't know about that sound of thunder. Their stuff sounds real professional. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Sounds, sounds overproduced. Yeah. That's a weird, it just sounds produced. Produced, yeah. yes. Yeah. There's a weird, many multiple weird lines you have to walk because of the importance of aesthetic. In yes. Music. Right. And it's like, we don't fall in, like, I don't think that we're cool, you know, yeah. because we don't have a Lemmy aesthetic or a punk rock aesthetic or, yeah. you know, like you have to, you have to pretend. And I think in most people, you, most people pretend um, and present a fake image that they don't care about anything. Yeah. You know, you. I think you get people like Lemmy actually didn't care, so I think that's why he's. So many people think he was cool. Yeah. But you know, I don't know. I think um, if anything, like I hope, I hope that we're like Dio, who we're like we care too much. We're control freaks, and we we really care about the quality of what we do, and that's the most important thing. And I don't ever see us. What if we're lucky enough to have more success? I don't see us ever letting it go to our heads. I just think it's every time. Every time we level up, it's an opportunity to do something cooler and bigger, like a comic book series and concept yeah. album. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I want to, you, you talked about Dio. So here's how I dovetail into this next question for you. I want to hear a musical hot take from you guys. Um, a not popular opinion that you have about music that you are willing, that Hill that you're willing to die on. Thousand things to because, say right now. Because let me tell you, I have one because you mentioned my boy Dio. I actually like Dio more as the frontman for Black Sabbath than I do Ozzy. That's not a hot take. That's something I literally agree with. And that's a, that's a that's actually the more common opinion that we run into in our really. Circles. I have yeah. caught so much. Well, I'm also not in the same circles as you guys, so yeah. like I'm in the more mainstream shit. But I'll say that, and people are like you don't know what you're talking about. Oh, I don't know. I'm like Dio is a fucking man. I was yeah. like, you do this. You ever done the horns? Guess who really like popular? It's fucking Dio. Yeah, because like, Ozzy used to do this. Yeah, like a dork. Like a dork. <laughs> like a fucking dork. <laughs> I also feel like Dio for for such a small statured man the voice that came out of that dude like it, it's yeah just absolutely amazing the fact that he was in Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny uh, like yeah 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 so well um we, you guys we, uh, I I was going to say the you and anyone listening must see Dio Dreamers Never Die yes which yeah. is the documentary that just came out and I believe yes. you can get it on streaming now um made me cry but it's incredible. And you just touched on the voice that comes out of the small body. And they talk about that and how he was a, uh, it was a trumpet player, right, Nina? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and developed his, you know, his lungs and. Which and I technique. thought was so funny because I was a saxophone player and I, I didn't just play the alto. I played the baritone saxophone and I'm the, five feet the, tall. The big fucker. And, like, yeah. yeah. It, when I sat down, like when I was playing it, it was my height. Um, and I had to put it on a little block because it was too heavy for 
you're supposed to rest it on your thumb and your neck. And it was too heavy for me. So I rested it the base on a block so I could play it while sitting down. Um, but I was like, oh, you know, he did the trumpet thing. I did the saxophone thing. Maybe, maybe we are connected in some way, you know, <laughs> but, you know, small people and big voices. We have like the Napoleon complex. We have yeah. to make ourselves look bigger like chihuahuas. <laughs> I do love uh, side note. Then we'll, we'll get into the, the hot takes that you guys have. Um, both Dio, Dio shares a really strange connection to Leonard Nimoy. Um, in the sense that the, a famous hand symbol that they did came from a tradition of their parents or their their culture. So yeah. the horns is the evil eye. It's the like it's his Italian grandmother would do it to like ward off evil spirits. Yes, yes. Leonard Nimoy did the Vulcan salute because that's how rabbis bless the congregation in a uh-huh. synagogue. Yeah, so, I never knew that. Yeah. And I just thought that was a really interesting correlation. Like, I always thought that that was cool. I was like, well, yeah, because Spock is fucking metal is, is shit. Yeah. Like, it makes Jeez, sense. Schwartz yes. get good. I love yeah. some Spock. Yeah. Why isn't there a Schwartz hand symbol? <laughs> I, I mean, make one. I don't right? know. Yeah. It's it doesn't. Is, yeah. Is, it, is, it, is it like, uh... No, that's too Italian. <laughs> too Italian. Yeah. Like, mm. There you go, Josh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Josh, I want to hear one of your musical hot takes, and then Nina, I, I'm sure you have like a list, like Santa Claus has of oh, naughty Lord. children. Oh, I don't want to be murdered in my sleep, but okay, I'll think of a less yeah, yeah. One. I mean, mine is the the worst thing I can say. You know, maybe most offensive to people is that metal is not a lifestyle. Um, oh. You know, wow. right? That's going to get us in trouble, but it's not. <laughs> people enjoy metal from every different walk of life, every different income level. Uh-huh. You know, um, I personally don't wear sleeveless shirts. That doesn't mean I'm not metal. Um, I will contend that I've written more badass metal songs than most people on the planet. So therefore I am more metal than a rando with the sleeveless vest. Um, I'm more and, metal than uh, you. And um, which is not to say that the, the metal community isn't a wonderful community, but there are, um, there are wonderful people in metal and there are bigots in metal and there are wonderful people in other music communities and bigots in other music communities. Um, so it's uh, it's a wonderful form of music that we all appreciate. It does have certain things that, you know, it, it tends to have a real strong uh, message of, you know, personal strength, individuality. Um, yeah. But then there's also creepy things about it where like metal kind of like touches on like fascism, like group identity. We will kill the others. We okay. will battle the others, you know. Um so uh, to me, um, I love metal. It's my favorite type of music because of um, the way the sounds make me feel, um, the way the lyrics, um, you know, they're either empowering or maybe they'll tell a story that's interesting to me. But like, there's not one lifestyle that's metal. I think that's fucking bullshit. And I think at the same time, people talk about uh, metal is about expressing your true self and being an individual. And that a lot of these people will dress like clones. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, or the exact same outfit and like exact, yeah. exact same outfit and bullet belt and Van Patch vest, which is cool. It's a cool look, but like I just saying, yeah. I think I think that's cool. But I think you can you can be just as much of a metalhead and dress however you want, and you can show up in a tutu and a flannel shirt, and you're still fucking metal. Maybe even more metal for the balls it would take to do that. Um, so you know, I, I take it as a as a musical style that's opened me up to a bunch of wonderful people. And I love the people that consider it a, a a lifestyle, and I love the people that take it a little less seriously. 
the important thing is that people are enjoying the music and enjoying the art. And I, that's another thing is like, it's an art, you know, it's entertainment and it's art, but um, you know, it still doesn't need to be taken that seriously. So the Foo Fighters did a concept album at one point called uh, Sonic Highways, where they went to a bunch of different cities and they played music that was like inspired by the city and the stories and things like that. And when they got to Nashville, they teamed up with uh, Zach Brown, uh, country music singer, Zach Brown. And Dave Grohl called Zach Brown. He's like, he's a like, dude, your metal is fuck. And like, I remember it caught a lot of shit from people who were like metal fans and rock fans, but the story behind it made so much sense. Uh-huh. He had this famous song, uh, Chicken Fried. It was a country song. He wrote it. It was really, really personal to him. And this really, really, really big name producer in Nashville was like, I want this song for this other band and I'm going to buy it from you. And he's like, they can have it on their album. That's cool. If they want to cover it, that's awesome. But you're not releasing it as a single because it's my song. And the guy was like, okay, cool, sure. And then they released it as a single. And he was like, fuck all of that. And like took on the biggest producer in Nashville. And like, he was like, no, I told you not to do this. And everybody was like, you don't want to take this guy on. He's like, I don't give a fuck. This is a principles thing. And like, he ended up building a fan base because of that. People were like, you're the dude that took on the biggest producer in Nashville. I want to buy you a beer and I want to buy your fucking album, dude. That's awesome. And like, but Dave was saying, he was like, dude, that's metal as fuck. He's like, I don't care if people are like country music's lame. He's like, no, you have (laughs) that personality. He's like, that's what this is all about is like, these are your morals. These are your standards. Fuck everybody else who doesn't agree with me. I'm doing what's right. And yeah. So like, I totally agree with that sentiment of like, it's not a look. It's not yeah. an aesthetic. It's about it's about what you stand for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think at the same time, the story you just told, you could just as easily say that's punk as fuck. Yeah. Yes. There was yeah. a there you was know. a TikTok I saw the other day uh, where somebody's like, you know, what's your what's your uh, music hot take? And guy <laughs> said Taylor Swift re-recording all of her albums after she lost control of her masters is more punk rock than anything the Sex Pistols ever did. Yes. Yeah. yeah I saw that one too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you all ever see um, SLC Punk? Uh-uh. Yes, I, I didn't. With Matthew Lillard, with Matthew um, Lillard, and fucking uh, Annabeth Gish, and yes, great um, movie. So the, the fucking German guy trying to sink the car, yeah, sink you fucking, fool, sink, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the Great Salt yeah. Lake, man. It's yeah. really dense. Uh, <laughs> there's there. So so the whole time Matthew Lillard is like really like uh, showy punk rock kid, and he lives in Salt Lake City, uh, and at the end of the movie, he goes to a party and meets this girl and they start talking about music and, and, you know, like general philosophy of life kind of stuff. And he's talking about how much he loves punk and all this. And she's like, well, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it certainly shows. And he's like, well, what do you mean? And she starts like, not rudely, but like kind of breaking down, like, well, you, you have the colored hair and you have like all of the buttons and things on your jacket and all this. And she's like, I don't know. It just, seems like a lot of time and effort to put into looking a certain way and not necessarily being that way. And he has this realization, he's like, fuck, I'm a poser. (laughs) 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 But yeah, like the, 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 and you know, yeah, like, like you said, there's nothing wrong with, you know, liking a certain aesthetic and and expressing yourself that that way. Uh But the people who act as, as though that's the only way to do it, you know, the, we, we don't, we got enough actual shit to deal with. We don't need fucking gatekeeping. Nope. Um, we don't do it here. Aren't we supposed to, to like encourage people to pick things up and, and yes. get into stuff? And my favorite thing about being a geek is sharing shit with people. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. What are you saying, Nina? What do you got? Your hot oh, takes. Oh man. 
How many people can you alienate? In I have ago? so many hot takes, but um, gosh, it's hard to think. I'm trying to look around my office for inspiration. Like, what is my hottest take? Tell people what you think about Ozzy, Nina. Uh, I don't like Ozzy. I think he's a bad <laughs> person, and I think he's a terrible singer who got really, really lucky. Um, bad performer. The only reason people like him is because he does a lot of drugs and he's funny. And yeah. he could literally do anything with his voice and people would buy it because he's funny because he does a lot of drugs. And I think that's the kind of thing I hate about the metal community is how they embrace personas more than the actual quality of the music. So I think that's like, humans. That is human. Yeah, yeah, honestly, that's humans in general. Like that's and that's why I don't like pop music because you could literally slap any crappy voice into Pro Tools and make it sound listenable. And it doesn't matter how good the singer is or how good the musicians are. You can make it sound good enough that you can make them a star. And that star will then get um, destroyed by the industry. And that's why Aaron Carter is dead at 34. Yeah. Did yeah. you not hear that, Josh, about Aaron Carter? Do you know who that I don't is? Know. I don't know who Aaron okay, Carter is. So, so th this is like, this member. is kind of hitting me in the feelings because as a kid, Aaron Carter, he's the younger brother of uh, Nick Carter, which is one of the Backstreet Boys or 98. Is, he the, is Nick Carter the big face guy that was in Star Wars episode two? No. No. I have no, no that's idea. Joey. That's Joey Fatone. Joey Fatone. Fatone. No, no. Nick Carter is the, is the, uh, the the he's from Backstreet Boys. He's the blonde with the the penis haircut. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So his younger penis brother haircut. Aaron Carter. Um, they were basically like, well, Nick Carter's famous and rich, so let's uh, let's put our other kid to work. He's blonde and cute. So his parents put him to work, made him a pop star, and this kid's commercials were all over Nickelodeon, the Disney Channel. Like I remember growing up and seeing him all over TV, never listened to his music, wasn't into it or anything, but I saw him all the time just being um, advertised as like the new hit thing for kids. Meanwhile, his parents were stealing all of his money. And when he finally hit 18, Fuck. they stole so much of his money that he had to file for bankruptcy because he couldn't pay the taxes he owed um, that they never paid. Yeah. So he got in trouble with the IRS because his parents took all of his money and never paid taxes on it. And he publicly forgave them for all of this. And he was addicted to many, many drugs and nobody was helping him. And they kept putting him on TV shows Basically, it felt like to humiliate him, like, hey, check out Aaron Carter. Remember this cute little kid when he was on TV? Check him out now. He's covered in face tattoos and addicted to meth. And it's like oh. he was clearly in need. And it felt the same way with Amy Winehouse, um, any of these stars who are clearly in desperate need of help. And you're putting them on reality shows instead. And now poor Aaron Carter is dead at 34, never had a chance. And it just feels so bad to me. Like, imagine growing up basically a star, but never getting to enjoy it and being so miserable that you go into drugs. Like, that sucks. I mean, that's a that's a old story. Yeah. Of, like, that's, I mean, like, not, not that he's, you know, some, like, symbol of hope, but, like, Vanilla Ice, in a oh. nutshell, 
that dude was just like, hey, look, I just like rapping and I'm a white dude and it's kind of a gimmick. And then a record producer was like, we can make a fucking ton of money off this dude. Mm -hmm. And like they were like, sing this song. And he was like, "Okay, cool. Be in this video. Sure. Why not? And then like it started catching up to him. And then he gets dangled out of a window by Suge Knight of Death Row Records. And like his whole thing falls apart because they stop supporting him. They're like, you're no longer the flavor of the week. Get out of here. Like, but the dude somehow managed to stick around. Like Mm -hmm. it's, we see this all the time. We actually like, we literally were taking eighties properties on on a previous episode and being like, how do you modernize this and turn this into a TV show? Or like, what's a, what's a series um, that you could turn into um, if you kind of flip the narrative into something interesting. And we did it with Gem and the holograms of like Gem basically just being like a tool of the record industry. Like let's throw some, let's, let's throw some auto tune on you and get you on stage, you know, and all of a sudden you're going to make somebody millions of dollars mm-hmm. and basically turning the misfits, the band that, you know, were like the bad guys turning the misfits into the heroes because it's like, these guys are legit. They're actually out there playing their own instruments, doing their shit grinding. And you're just, you know, some glossy record produced shill. Like you're, you're just a, an avatar basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's pretty much my hot take is that the, Industry creates many stars, but it doesn't create good music. There you go. I don't even think that's a hot take, but yeah, yeah I agree. It's such a such a hot ass take. Also, women have to work ten times harder than men in the music industry for some reason. Um, I will say that just as a female vocalist, because literally every time we do a gig, um, I will say I might be the only person who isn't tone deaf singing that night. And if I'm not, I am pleasantly surprised. There was a a band that opened for us on Friday. They were sophomores in high school and the kid could sing. And I was like, oh, yay. Thank you. Thank you for being able to, to hold a note. That's nice. But like most of the time, the guys, they can't sing. And it makes me wonder like, where are you getting all of this confidence that you can go up on stage in sweatpants and an old t-shirt and sing your heart out and have no talent and everyone (laughs) supports you. Like I long to be a mediocre white man with that kind of confidence. (laughs) What a dream. There are a million of these guys. Yeah. There's my hot, there's my hot take. (laughs) That's that's spicy. I like it. There you go. It's a bummer, man. It really is because like I even catch myself just from like, I wouldn't say like indoctrination, but you hear it so often that you don't even realize that you do it. Like I'll listen to like a female artist and I'll be like, oh, she's really good for a girl. And I'm like, oh, wait, no. Uh, And like, I have to like unpack that shit. And it's like, man, that's really fucked up that I even thought that. And like, it's something that like, especially when it comes to, like you said, like metal and like rock and things like that, like that Mm. there has to be those caveats. It's never like best singer best rock singer it's always best female rock singer and you're right. like why does that fucking matter like it shouldn't because you know why because we have an unfair advantage because again women work harder and the idea of pinning a female vocalist in a metal band who is nine out of ten times a good singer versus a male vocalist in a metal band who is nine out of ten times a bad singer we would <laughs> have an unfair advantage usually now, I w- I'm sorry, I have to present the other side of this argument, which is oh, many times over the years, we have played with 
bands that have female singers that are not good that are clearly skating by on looks. Totally fair. That has only <laughs> happened, I want to say, like a handful of times. I've yes, only but I would seen... say on average, the men, the men are worse. Yeah, yeah. I've only seen this a handful of times where the girls will skate by on their looks. Because remember, this is heavy metal. They're not getting rich. They're not really getting famous. So the idea of being like a pretty pop star heavy metal person is like, there's like maybe three of them and two of them are the butcher babies. So <laughs> it's not really a thing. Rambo, I want to hear if you have a musical hot take. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, musical hot take. Uh, no. I'll think of nine when we get off the air. That's fair. Uh, <laughs> It was, it was, you know what, actually here, let me give this shout out to you. Cause when you first joined GGR, we were talking about our favorite music and that was something you had brought up. You were like, I love lady pop singers. And I was like, oh shit. Like that's wearing that. Like, like, cause again, it's unpacking all of this like misogynistic shit that I grew up with of like, oh, well that's not cool. Like guys can't like, like lady singers. And I was like, that's so fucking dumb. Why? Yeah. So, so shout out to James Rambo for being a trendsetter. Yeah, Carly Rae Jepsen has a new song with Rufus Wainwright, and I am excited to hear that shit. That's great. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess it, it would, you know, just kind of picking up on the heels of that is just, it actually is more beneficial when people are actually honest about the things they like and can share as opposed to trying to present some kind of front about what you're supposed to like. Yeah. Um, like for the longest time, I was the guy who was like, oh, I listen to everything. I don't listen to everything. I don't listen to everything. Yeah. There's a ton of, like most country, I avoid like the plague. I don't listen to a lot of hip hop. Um, I'm willing to listen to anything at least once, but actively, no, I listen to like rock, alternative metal. Like I listen to like standard white guy stuff. Um, and that's fine. Um, but you know, you, you get so uh so trained to think that you're supposed to have a certain perspective uh that you're that you know i mean just i i think back to fucking like high school and middle school and what you were like allowed to listen to yeah uh with your friends versus what you actually wanted to hear uh -huh. um and and it's it's one of the one of the best things about getting older is dropping the pretense of like trying to impress people with your taste oh yeah um, like, and I, I, I haven't fully dropped that, uh, because I am, you know, with our, our, our big move coming up and going through and packing stuff, I'm realizing just how many things I own because I feel some weird, like nerd obligation to own or like this. Um, and how, like, I, I, I have trades of comics. I will never read. That's the never. first thing you, you donate. Is the stuff yeah. you realize mm -hmm. you don't actually yeah. care about. Yeah. yeah. Like it's just, you know, the 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 freedom of um being in a place where not even aggressively, but you can just be like, I don't give a fuck. I don't yeah. care. Yeah, this this isn't for me and that's fine. That's I, a I good have like feeling. two or three Marvel Masterworks hardcovers. I'm never gonna read them. I'm never going to read them. Like and I don't have to. Mm -hmm. I don't have anything to prove to anybody. Uh, yep. Josh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I forced myself to read all of the 1960s masterworks. And it is a bit oh, of a slog. That's, that's so oh, funny, though, man. because we've talked about this hot take when it comes to nerd shit that I don't like Alex Ross's art. And like <laughs> the fucking looks I get from people are like, 
how how can you not? And I'm like, I just don't. It's not my thing. Well, everyone does. Nope. Mm-mm, <laughs> not for it. Um, but yeah, like I, I credit Rambo for this a lot because it really helped me like identify that like I was holding on to a bunch of dumb shit. And let me tell you what I love doing now, singing Madonna as loud as I fucking can with the windows down on my car. I don't give a fuck. You I'm living in a material song. world and I'm a material girl. Okay, like, so <laughs> you just get, you just brought up another hot take that I have. Yeah. Most pop songs are popular because people can sing along to them. It's not yeah. a challenging song that's difficult. It's something that everybody can just, I can sing along, even if I'm tone deaf and I can sing and it makes me feel happy. That's <laughs> what pop music is for. Oh yeah, it's fast know? food. Yeah. It's fast food for your, for your yeah. ears. Yeah, y'all are, okay. y'all are putting out like a gourmet meal and shit, but like, yeah. We may be more, I, I refer to us as uh, Chipotle escargot. <laughs> that's, how, that's how small our niche is my goal is to sing so in a way that makes it so difficult for other people to sing along that they don't even try so I'm like <laughs> yeah. the they just anti- sit back and they're like fuck it i'm listening yeah, yeah. and they're like fuck it yeah. i can't do that shit because that's how i feel when i listen to some singers when i listen to like jennifer hudson i'm like i want to learn from her i listen to her to learn yeah. not to just like absorb a fun song i listen to her and i or like uh, whitney houston or um aretha franklin they sing in such a way that's so difficult that i'm <laughs> like observe like learning and observe but pop music you don't need to do that you don't need to learn shit you can i think you're underestimating you're underestimating people's willingness to sing along to things that they can't sing. That's fine. And I think they I, should. Yeah. No, no, no. I can't, I, I can't duplicate Dave Grohl's ability to do that fucking rock scream that he does, but I will right. try. And I, would, exactly. yeah. 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 I cannot sing Run to the Hills by Iron Maiden, but I will sing Run to the Hills by Iron Maiden. You're right. Right. And I think that's great. Like uh, if people want to sing along with me, that's great. But uh, I, I like making them feel bad about themselves at the same time. Yeah, that's really the driving underlying motivation of all yeah, everything we do. Spite. Yeah, you are <laughs> you are inadequate compared to me. Ah, yes, yeah, yes. pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> but that fits with the whole like queen thing that you got going on, anyway. Yes, so, I yeah, mean, you said that at, at an early age, that's what you wanted. I so. wanted to be an evil queen. Yeah, um, there was a guy that was trolling me on um, TikTok the other day, and he was like, "Someday people are gonna know." just how much of a narcissist you are. And I was like, honey, we just, <laughs> we just funded an entire comic book series that I created to look like me. They know. Someday, I hope it's today. Yeah, it's today. Like, if you haven't picked up on the fact that I love me, yeah. then you are really not paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's do let's do some some fun stuff uh, as well because we've talked about the music a lot but like you guys are so much more than musicians so I want to talk about like some of the things that you got going on in the geeky nerdy world um, and we'll kind of do rapid fire here um, either TV or movie either one I don't care it doesn't matter like what's the geekiest nerdiest thing that you've watched recently you're just like fuck I love this uh, we'll start with Nina oh oh no I can't I, so many things I've been watching. Um, a Doesn't have to be movie. one, all of them. Yeah. I've been watching a horror movie every night, sometimes two for the past 30 some days. So it's, it's quite a lot. I have to pull up my spreadsheet. Hold on. That's you have a that, fucking spreadsheet. That's, that's outstanding. Right there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really solidified all of it. Really yes. brought um, it all together. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, sheets, Google sheets. Hold on. October to <laughs> 2022 movies. Okay. What is the nerdiest thing I have watched? Um, 
blob tales from the crypt demon night that was a good one uh yummy uh oh 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 okay uh i now i know what it was it was oh what's it called gosh start flux gourmet okay this is a movie on shutter it's called flux gourmet and it is the most banana balls movie for artists movie i have ever seen it stars the big lady in uh, game of thrones i forget her name uh, gwendolyn christie yeah. it stars her and um the kid who played ender in ender's game um, um oh god damn it <sighs> okay anyway yeah <laughs> doesn't matter i i went into this movie blind knowing nothing about it and the overall story of the film is that in this alternate world, there are, uh, I want to say, uh, musicians that um, make sounds based on food and cooking noises. And Gwendolyn Christie's character is like a rich lady who owns a house where she lets these people live. And she's like their manager. And they're making like performance art based on food it's insane it sounds and like I, a dream i had one time this it's is like a fever dream and watching this movie like i had no idea what was going to happen next and it was and it it was definitely one of those movies for artists like i i told my husband the plot and he was like i hate everything that you just said <laughs> so like it is not for everyone but i will say that is probably the nerdiest thing i've ever i've seen that's pretty, yeah, that's pretty great. I like that. Um, I would say like the nerdiest thing, um, and then we'll go to you, Josh, because I'm, I'm curious what, what you got. Um, I've been on a huge Star Trek binge lately. And the reason I say it's nerdy is because let me tell you, the original series, the original Star Trek from the 60s, man, some of those are like, there's maybe 10 episodes that are fucking gold, but the other like 60 are just like trippy 60s, weird fucking like dumb shit like they do like the same premise like six or seven times over and over again they're like mm -hmm. what if a robot took over a planet made mm -hmm. everybody do wacky shit what if they dressed <laughs> like cowboys and it was because of a robot it's like fuck man how many times are you gonna do this but like i just i just finished watching one where they went to a gangster planet and it was so cheesy. It was so fucking cheesy, but it's so nerdy because mm -hmm. like now I have this nerd street cred of I've seen all of the original episodes of Star Trek as an adult and not just like watched them on like, like loop or like, you know, like in syndication, like on television. No, now I chose to watch this. That shit. is nerd street cred because <laughs> yeah. I couldn't do that. I oh. watched all of the other Star Treks when I had my shoulder surgery last year. I made yeah. it a mission. I'm going to watch all of Next Generation, all of DS9, all of Voyager, and then all of Enterprise. And I got up yeah. to like the third episode of Enterprise and was like, nope, I cannot yeah. do this. Stop, yeah. Bacula. You cannot save this Again, show. It's so bad. Nerd obligation. <laughs> yeah, you nerd don't obligation. Owe any Gene Roddenberry is long dead. Yeah. You do not owe any kind of penance. Right. <laughs> at least i enjoyed voyager and ds9 i yeah. was not enjoying enterprise and everybody's like oh you just gotta stick through it no, there's, there's some good episodes and i'm like no no there's not all I i've I heard from people like we've really heard from people who love that show is well like 
the third season's the best. Yeah, aren't there like three seasons? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so My, I although watch- I will say there was one really, really good episode that I enjoyed. And it was literally, um, you know, in Star Trek, they go to the planet Risa, and that's like the pleasure planet or whatever. Yeah. The episode, they Only go to Risa. Planet, yeah. It's it's two men and a woman. They Only go to Risa. <laughs> the two men, the two men get instantly uh robbed. And uh, their clothes stolen, tied up, and held hostage for their money, while the woman has a great day. <laughs> and that's all that happens in this episode. And I was like, okay, this is my favorite of all the Enterprise. That's pretty great. Yeah. There, um, there's an episode in the first season of the original uh, series where it's actually a really high concept of there's a guy who's like this person's trying to kill me and i can't stop them and he and i have to stop him because if i don't then the universe is going to explode and like every time the two interact with each other it's this like trippy like 1960s deep purple shit playing in the background like and the camera pans and there's all this psychedelic colors and you're just like what the fuck is going on with this episode it turns out there's a matter version of this guy and an antimatter version of this guy and i'm like okay this is some cool shit, but it's also just like, wait, everything's getting crazy. Whoa. Exactly. I love it. Yeah. Josh, give us some, give us some, uh, some of your nerdy shit that you've been watching, man. Well, uh, I don't think it bears discussion and I don't want to get into spoilers, but I did love She-Hulk and I appreciated nice. that they didn't need the big punch up at the end and that it was a little different. Um, I watched a movie called Dave Made a Maze, which is from 2017. We just watched that recently. And Nina did movie. not Nina did not like it. I thought it was interesting and fun. The metaphor is a little thin because the guy literally builds a cardboard maze and gets stuck in it. It's kind of like dealing with, you know, becoming a, a productive adult, I guess. Um, but I just love the way it looked and I thought it was it was fun and interesting. So I would recommend Dave Made a Maze. Um, probably the nerdiest thing I've watched though is I've, I've started following uh, cartoonist Kayfabe on YouTube. Um, nice. which is a YouTube channel. It's Ed Piscor and his, I can't remember his partner's name. I think it's uh, Jim Rudd, Rugg. Um, oh, no, yeah, it's, it's Jim Rugg. It's the guy who did, he did uh, Street Angel. And, yeah, Piscor yeah. and Rugg. So, but, but it's just like really long interviews with cartoonists. So I literally watched them talk, like do an in-depth professional to professional interview for two hours with Todd McFarlane yesterday. And I love that shit. Um they did a page this morning. I watched him do a page by page comparison of GI Joe number 60, which was originally drawn by Todd McFarlane and Larry Hammer rejected it. So they put Todd's pages in this, in the drawer and they had um, this other guy draw the issue that came out. And then 10 years later, when Todd was a superstar, Marvel pulled those pages out of the drawer (laughs) and they, and they published the issue. So they just did a page by page comparison of how the two guys did the same script. And they're like, here's Todd's, you know, a lot of it was Todd's pages are more dynamic, but he's not as good of a storyteller because he was really young at the time. Yeah. But, you know, but the, to me, that's like a deep geeky thing that I, I just love spending that's time. Awesome. Like, it's awesome though, yeah. Stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. Cartoonist Kayfabe, good, good YouTube channel to subscribe to. Rambo, what nerd shit are you watching, man? Oh God. Um... Well, we're all caught up on why well, I we're we're enjoying Andor, but we're probably an episode or two behind. Um, like apparently Andy Circus shows up, we haven't gotten him yet just yet. Okay, I can't um, say anything else then because I just yeah. caught up last night on everything. So yeah, no, don't say words. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, ba, 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 ba. I don't know if there's anything specifically geeky we're watching. We have a bunch of shows we're running through. Katie just restarted. I guess this is like the third or fourth rewatch of King of the Hill. 
Um, Fuck, I love that show. It's so fucking funny. Yeah. Um, we're about halfway through a rewatch of Silicon Valley. Um, That's pretty nerdy. Like, let's be Silicon real. Valley is a fantastic show, and I will it's... never stop being upset at TJ Miller for uh, we talked about this last week. Yeah. Himself. Why, why are you? I. It fucking irritates the shit out of me mm-hmm. when shitty people can't suck at things. Yeah. Stop being good at things if yeah. you suck. Yeah. It's not fair to anyone else. Um, <laughs> and and like. I don't. I can't. I honestly can't remember if she left because of this or what. But um, Alice Wetterland, who plays the coder who shows up in the second season, uh, had a lot to say about T.J. Miller I believe um, it. when all that shit came out. Um, but yeah, that show is really fucking funny, and thankfully he's just a side character. Um, and also, like you know, Mike, you, you mentioned Futurama earlier. Futurama has that distinction of like there's the episode with, with the there's the body swap episode. Where it's not just like A to B and B to A, but it's like A to B and B to C and C to B and all that shit. Um, and then there's the the Professor Farnsworth like wrote an equation to figure out how they could switch everybody back, and you get that one shot of it in the in the show, and it's a it's actually real math, like they actually talk to somebody. Um, Silicon Valley does similar things, and there's there's an episode is I think it's like end of the second season maybe. Um, where they they're at this competition and this this big tech competition for their uh, for their algorithm, and they uh, realize that they're probably going to lose. And the only way you know somebody makes an offhand joke, but you know the only way that uh, we might we might win is if Ehrlich gives everybody in the, in the, uh, the room a hand job. And then they start talking through like, well, let's see. There's there's a maximum capacity of eight hundred people which means he has two hands, so that's 400 people at a time. We only have 10 minutes to present. And then they start getting really in-depth about it. And the one character leaves the room, goes and starts working on something. Next day, he wakes up, comes back out. There are two whiteboards covered in math and, uh, 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 um, and formulae and all this shit. That's all real math. Like, they, like they talked to someone uh, to figure out like the actual equations and shit you would need to determine how quickly, you, you know, like Ehrlich would be able to jerk off the, like all the guys in the room. <laughs> There's Amazing. a whole thing about like, you know, uh, initially it's like, well, first, you know, you, you'd have to waste time lining all the guys up by height. And somebody goes, oh, you know, you know it's not height. It's dick to floor ratio because <laughs> different yeah. people have different length legs. Yeah. But yeah, that's all real. Isn't there a bit about like you have to do opposite so that your hands (laughs) are going this way? (laughs) To save save energy instead of doing this, you have to have them like this. Well, so so it's it's at hands and sides, but it's this. Um, And there's the whole thing about like you wouldn't even necessarily have to have all the same floor ratios. You could have extremes. So that he could be doing this <laughs> on an angle. Sometimes I wish we had a video podcast because keep the angle consistent. And <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing. It is oh, really Jesus. fucking funny. So that's yeah. probably the nerdiest thing I'm watching at the moment. Oh man, have you gotten to the episode uh, the SWAT analysis? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. With and it's funny seeing like all these you know like who the little like one off guest stars are like 
the the guy who's going to drive that car, the stunt driver, is mm-hmm. Ted from Shit's Creek. <laughs> um, like so, so it's cool to see like oh yeah, like that person popped up later and doing this thing. Um, but yeah, and and like the weird the weird sad tragedy thing uh, that happens in the first season, like off screen. Like the the reason Peter Gregory, the the VC for the um, for Raviga, the company that that um, uh, funds uh, Pied Piper, the reason he dies is because the guy actually died, and not just that, he fucking he had like a three year battle with cancer. He died before the season even aired, so he didn't even oh, get to wow. see himself in the fucking show. Um, just weird random shit. Anyway, I am very excited for you though because that is a fantastic show. I'm just trying to get our basis Jesse to watch it. So yeah, so fucking good. I think what's we're we're past the point where um, we we've gone through the full cycle of uh, Richard being ousted as CEO and now is back in as CEO. Um, And uh, yeah, fuck, this show is so goddamn funny. Mike Mike Judge, man. Mike Judge Judge is bulletproof. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah, indeed. Let's let's do this. We'll go ahead and we'll wrap up. Um, I want to thank you guys both for for being on and having an awesome conversation about geeky nerdy shit like we do here at the diner. Um plug it, plug your shit. Tell us why people should be spending their money to help fund this awesome metal thing that y'all are doing. Like, well. I think, first of all, if you have interest in both music and comics, then our project is just perfect for you. Um, it's Queen of Hell Initium. It's on Kickstarter right now. We really do need people's help to fund it. We're completely self-funded. And um, like we said earlier, the, the music is unlocked and the first issue of the comic is unlocked, but we've got three more issues of the comic. And the art is absolutely beautiful. It's by this guy, Mike Rotera, who's insanely detailed, awesome art. The script is by Rafer Roberts, who did Archer and Armstrong for Valiant, who did Modern Fantasy for Dark Horse, Plastic Farm is his creator-owned thing. And um, it's just, it's fucking cool. And it's a great story. We're going to tell it to you in music as well as in the comic. And um, we're going to give you cool shit. So uh, we are, not to blow our horn too much, but we're the most funded metal band, most backed metal band ever on Kickstarter. And I think our fans... Our fans would tell you it's because, you know, we put every dollar in back into the project and we make the coolest shit we can. And I take personal joy. I think we all take personal joy out of sending out these packages when, I, when the project's done and sending these uh, Sound of Thunder Christmas packages to everybody. Um, so, you know, people are always happy when they get our stuff. So if you if you would choose to help us make some art and back the project, I think you'll you'll be glad you did. Uh, and I just want to say... Um... This project is basically everything that I love. So if you love um, demons and blood and guts and a badass woman who comes and enslaves them all and bends them to her will, then you too will enjoy this comic because that is like all the stuff that I love. So I I, I don't know how to sell it other than that. I'm just- I think- we Again, need, I'm we, pleasing my inner child. I'm doing all of the things that little 10-year-old Nina would have wanted, which is to <laughs> see herself in a comic book as like the queen of evil and defeating all the bad guys. I love it. On a, on a throne of skulls. On a throne yes. of yeah. skulls, yeah. yes. And even if you're not into that kind of metal stuff, usually this story is really about, this, people, some people think they're going to tell this person what to do. 
and how to live her life. Mm -hmm. And she's like, no, fuck you. I'm going to live my life my way. Yeah. And if you've ever felt like that, then you will relate to this story. Destiny is what you make. Like you are, you know, I, I, I know a lot of people don't believe like you have full control over your destiny, but I think you have like 90% control over your destiny. Fucking Sarah Connor style. Yeah. 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 Sarah Connor, my girl. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Um, A Sound of Thunder. Check them out. Their Kickstarter is very easy to find. Queen of Hell. You go to Kickstarter, you search Queen of Hell, you will find it there. Guys, we really, truly appreciate it. Like, it's, it's always awesome finding other artists who are kindred spirits because this is the same thing. We don't do this for any other reason other than we love being able to talk with each other about nerdy geeky shit. And that's why we do what we do. And like to hear that you guys are doing it for the exact same reason is just like, it's like this camaraderie of like, of kindred spirits. It's, it's we will always support artists who are doing this kind of awesome shit. And I guarantee you the people that listen to this podcast are gonna feel the exact same way as well. So make sure you get out there, make sure you support A Sound of Thunder, make sure you support their Kickstarter. So big thanks to Josh, big thanks to Nina, big thanks to Mr. James Rambo as well. And to all of you out there who are listening, we appreciate you, we love you. This is gonna be more great content for you to uh, hear very, very soon. Um, So we're gonna close up shop for this episode, but remember folks together, there are no heights that we can't reach. for listening to ggr pirate radio make sure you check out our website greatgeekrefuge.com for all of our awesome articles and wonderful podcasts this has been pirate radio network production juice bags (laughs) (laughs) yeah boy Get sick when I'm around I can't stand to be